just be Kevin Smith, I record a lot of podcasts. Way Very too good. many podcasts, right, boys? But when I'm yeah. not recording podcasts, I'm listening to Ready, Set, Review. Gotcha. The only podcast for me. Snooky Boogies! Ah, Snoogans. Snoogans. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, wow. I, I'm I, still having, like, heart palpitations oh, from a man. couple of days ago. Man, you know, Ooh. and, and uh, here we are. Welcome back, true reviewers, to Ready, Set, Review, your favorite podcast for movies, music, comics, and culture. And now, the only podcast for Kevin Smith. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> man. Oh, man. So, yeah, so Saturday was a huge day for us. If you didn't uh, check out the Instagram, um, Kevin Smith came uh, back home, back home as it were, to Red yeah. Bank to meet fans at Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. Yep. Uh, we found out about it through Facebook. We went in, and it was a whole thing. So it was a man. We were there for over 12 hours waiting to see Kevin Smith, and we were yeah. quite literally the last in line. We were the last in line. In fact. And uh, uh, true to form, we were <laughs> telling jokes and making people laugh, and we were affectionately named the mullet of the line because we were the party in the back. Yeah, it was great. Cause like, So the way the whole thing worked, if you're wondering how we became last and where it was cut off, so you had to line up in front of the stash early in the morning. We got there at 6.45, and like I said, we yeah. were still the last in line. He was only uh, seeing up to the first 150 groups of people. So not just 150 individuals, but like in a group. So if you had three or four people in a group, you were counted as like one. It was 150. Right of that. So like I said, we got there about 6.45 in the morning on a Saturday. Thank God we didn't drink the night before. Yeah. That would have been awful. Cow. And you had to wait in line to get into the stash to get your ticket to see him. And like, you know, you bought some of his comics, like Detective Comics 1000, where he wrote a story, uh, some of his new Hit Girl things, and then like a Funko Pop if you wanted. And then of course, like anything else, you know, you wanted him to sign. Yeah. We both actually ended up bringing a copy of Chasing Amy. And then yeah. after that... Which happens to be my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. So at about by I would say by ten o'clock we had we had finished wrapped up the ticket purchasing part of the uh, event and yeah. then we had a couple hours to kill and then he started signing autographs and meeting people at noon and it was supposed to go from noon until four and you know again not a complaint from us because it was no. the reason why it went so long and we can't say enough about what a great guy Kevin Smith was yeah, he 100%. seriously spent. At least 15 to 20 minutes, if not more, with each group of people that came by. Yeah. So, you know, I'm no mathematician or anything, but when all was said and done, we didn't get in to see Kevin until after 7 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a long day. We were standing all day. I mean, there was, a, a you know, a lot of different people in the line and just everybody was waiting and just... You know, Kevin, for, for you know, just what a trooper he was, right? I mean, yeah. he was just, just signing furiously for everything and just was, like, a great guy, just a great, really, really great person. And, and we just have to – just want, really want to say thank you not only to Kevin Smith uh, but also to A Shared Universe. We want to thank uh, Ming Chen and Mike Zapsik especially. Um, we want to thank uh, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash for hosting the event. Um, it was just, it was really, it was just an incredible time. And just, you know, Kevin Smith just giving back to his community and where he, uh, where he came from. And Mike, if you're listening, 
We'll see you at a shared universe very soon because I know you didn't mean it when you said you were going to ban me from the studio. <laughs> yeah, I guess we uh, we we uh, we definitely took our liberties and we were waiting there for 12 hours, so we had to get it all in. So uh, Yeah, well, I mean, you know, true to form for us, you know, we spent the entire day out there just like – drinking beers in the parking lot and smoking yep. cigarettes and like waiting. And yep. then I didn't even think in my head, you know, cause we had like eight things each for him to sign. I didn't even think over those 12 hours we were waiting. What do I want Kevin Smith to say? So he goes, yeah. so I get there and he goes, well, what do you want to like, who to make it out to you? What do you want to say? I was like, Oh shit. All right. Uh, uh, two Matt on the first one. And then he pulled up the next thing and goes, what do you want this one to say? And I, and I froze and I just went, Snoochie Boochies. <laughs> the look that Zapsit gave me was just it a was, look. It was like that disappointed parent look, oh you know? Man, like, it was great. It was just absolutely phenomenal. And then he told me I was banned from his podcast studio. Yeah. We want to give a big shout out, too, to everyone we got a chance to meet on the line. We, we really yeah, Hello to our new followers. Yeah, man. We, we had some great people, really, really great people that we got a chance to meet and to talk with while we were there. Um, yeah, it was just, it was great. It was really a great experience altogether. And we, al- and we almost aggravated the, the cop that was there and, you know, shout out to that cop. Yeah, this cop, the cop was there was for just as long as we were. Guy. Yeah. And we started a, uh, at about, I don't know, I guess at about the, the five thirty mark, we started a, a snoochie boochie chant <laughs> yeah. in the back of yeah. the parking lot. True to form when we're, <laughs> when we're tired and, and exhausted. What do we do? Yeah. Chant. The cop was, was like, don't escalate. <laughs> don't, don't escalate. Don't escalate. Like, Sorry, officer. <laughs> uh, it was worth uh, every second of yeah, it. Uh, really Kevin was. Con 2019. Yeah, we survived Kevin Con 2019. Can't wait for Kevin Con 2020. It's yeah. gonna be amazing. Next year we'll bring uh, we'll bring a lot of uh, other elements. We'll bring a grill. We'll grill out. We'll make it yeah. a whole parking lot party. You heard it here first. Ready, set, review. Host the Kevin Con 2020, 2020 party in yeah. the back of the staff. Yeah, all day. Yeah, the party <laughs> in the back, man. The yeah. mullet of the line. We'll bring a generator. We'll hook up our, our tools and start podcasting. That'd be yeah, great. Man, it'd be great. You know, we wanted to be able to even set up a, a projector, so maybe we could even show yeah, some, watch some Kevin Smith. Yeah, movies. watch some Kevin yeah. Smith movies. It'd be great. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So so we got a lot to talk about because as we told you guys, we. We were yeah. going to respect the Russo Brothers spoiler ban yeah, and not talk. We, which is why we've yeah. taken a week off. Yeah, here. we skipped last yeah. week, yeah. so we, we didn't talk to, about uh, Endgame. Yeah, we wanted to take a, a, give a, a week buffer, and we knew that obviously Endgame was going to be dominating yeah. the uh, box office. Um, so yeah, so but, we're, we've got a lot of things to talk about here today. But full disclosure, if you haven't seen Endgame yet... Just go fucking kill yourself because <laughs> you just you, you, you just don't care. That's okay. It's okay not to care, but you're no longer allowed to complain about spoilers. You've had two full weeks to see this movie. Yep. Fucking deal with it with the spoilers. So we're gonna get into yep. all Endgame. We've got two episodes of Gamer of Game of Thrones to talk. I almost said Game of Review. A <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones to talk Game about for you. Um, but first Game we just have some yes. First, we have some quick news. Because we waited so long, took a week off, um, some things have happened. Most notably, the Spider-Man Far From Home new trailer, new trailer dropped. Dropped today. Just today. Wow. Yeah, it was, man. There's it so much good. to love in this trailer. So let's yeah. start with the obvious. It's the trailer opens up with uh, Peter going through a clearly a period of grieving. So we don't yet know exactly how far after Endgame this takes place, but we presume pretty shortly after the end of Endgame. So here's your first spoiler for Endgame. 
Tony Stark dies. He sacrifices yeah. himself, saving all of reality. Which, I mean, you pretty much you knew, knew that was going to happen. You knew that. it was going to be Tony or Cap. You knew, yeah, you knew one you knew, of them was going to die. You knew both of them were going to, you yeah. know, be no longer with the, the, the group anymore. So, so Spider-Man starts out with a little bit of mourning for, uh, uh, for Tony. And you see in the trailer, which I really love, there's lots of shots of graffiti, of wall art, in the different locations where Spider-Man is in the movie. First in New York, and then where he is in Europe. And they're all, like, tributes to to Iron Man, which I think is great because that says yeah. to us that, you know, it, it's, it's like public knowledge that, like, the Avengers have saved the day and yeah. Tony Stark sacrificed himself. And that's awesome. Yeah. Really, really cool, especially getting a chance to see the Iron Man graffiti, the, the Iron Man head on the wall, and seeing that it's overseas, so it's not just in America. It's, right. it's really all over the world that has felt the presence of Iron Man, and it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was a really good continuation of the story. Exactly. Right? And it was, it was very, very true to, like, what a comic book would do and, and how they're dealing with the fallout. So Completely I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, Spider-Man even more so than I was before and to see where it's going to go from here. And there's a great scene in the trailer, too, where he gets the – his phone is ringing and he's with Happy. And he's and Happy's like, that's Nick Fury calling you. And Spider-Man's like, I, I'm going to put the voice – you, you can't – and he puts the voicemail and Happy's like – you can't ghost Nick Fury. You can't put Nick Fury in a voicemail. And, and, and Spider-Man just walks away. Like so. And there's going to be a lot of great comedy in this. So let's talk about the villain. Yeah. Because Mysterio is the villain. And but I'm, is he? Well, but he, is he has to be. I mean, obviously. He has to be. So this is one thing that fans have already... The, the trailer literally came out today. And there's already fanboys freaking out about it because in the trailer they they talk about how Mysterio is a guy from another reality yep. um, which you know multiverse confirmed we'll get more into that later um, and he's like you know supposedly like a hero it appears that he's working with S.H.I.E.L.D. you see Nick Fury and Maria Hill and it's like a whole thing and then you know of course fans are like wondering it's like well uh, Mysterio's supposed to be a bad guy like uh, I don't understand Yeah. but you know if you actually know the kind of bad guy Mysterio is Trickery and deception, that's what he does. Yeah, like, yeah, it's 100%. So, like, like shut then, up. Yeah, and, like, why do you believe anything that he says? I mean, it's obviously going to be a whole ruse, and that's going to be the, the swerve. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I he's am, talking about how he came from a different a different dimension. or a different, Yeah, yeah different and, and now, to be honest, I hope that part is true. I want them to go all in on the multiverse with the yeah. Marvel Universe, because yeah, like, that would... Just be awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the trailer looks amazing. You know, there's not much else to it other than that. Those are kind of the big reveal moments, and that's a lot of action. But after seeing Endgame and now seeing this new trailer, we are even more hyped for this movie than we were before. Can't wait for July. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be sort of the, you know, capping off the, uh, the summer movies, right? Because yeah. I don't think there's. Um, because, I mean, that comes out before X-Men, doesn't it? I think it's – no, I think X-Men comes out in June, and this is in July, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, so it comes out after X-Men. Yeah, afterwards, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be the last one, right? Yep. The last big summer blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's going to be in July, and, and yeah, looking forward to it. I, I'm really excited to see where they're going to go and what they're going to do. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So, um, all right, so do we want to talk about Game of Thrones first or Endgame first? No, let's talk about Game of Thrones first because I, I have a feeling it's going to be a lot shorter than, uh, than <laughs> yeah. previous Game of Thrones uh, reviews. So, um, yeah, we're, we, have a, we're, we have a feeling we're going to go long on this episode, so hang with us. Hopefully you're going to like everything. We're going to go through the last two episodes that have aired of Game of Thrones, which was episode three, which was The Long Night, uh, and then episode four, 
which I don't even remember. I think know. they called it the Last Stark or something. No, the that? Last Stark. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, the Last Stark. So, uh, which hold on what, to your butts. Yeah, what does that mean? The Last. The fuck Stark. if I know. The episode was terrible. The fucking episode was <laughs> terrible. It was so bad. It was not. Well, let's not say terrible. I don't know if it was terrible. It was still. It's game the of worst the of the season. It by was far. definitely the worst of the season, and I think it was worse than any of last season. You know, it's just easily. Like, there were definitely some good moments. I really liked the fact that it was a little bit longer. There were some really cool deaths. But first and foremost. Let's talk about the long night. Yeah, the Battle okay. of Winterfell. So the Battle of Winterfell, the entire episode, all focused on this one single battle. So let's break let's let's break this battle down. Well, and first again, I want to first I want to address the morons out there that were complaining about the cinematography because it was too dark and I couldn't see what was going on and yeah. blah 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 blah. Like, mean, it, in all fairness, it was. In all fairness, it was. Especially the dragon fight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in all fairness, it was. It was. But like, like, uh, like, unless you're some sort of like fucking noob and don't realize as soon as you see that, turn the fucking lights off in your house. Like, you know, like, like you're watching a movie. Turn the fucking lights off and just maybe, maybe just adjust the brightness on your TV to get out to see a little bit because that's what we did. Yeah. And you know, and yes, it was still dark, but we saw everything just fine. Yeah, and we kicked up the brightness just a little bit because we had read an article that that's what you needed to do, and so we kicked up the brightness a little bit. And then, as always, I always watch uh, Game of Thrones yeah. with the lights off. It's like, like watching I'm a movie. A, yeah, like Every I'm time. in a movie theater. Yeah, yeah. You got to get serious about it, man. But um, yeah, so so. Okay, so the episode starts off with the armies are outside of Winterfell, right? Yep. And you've got the Dothraki are the front line, and then behind them you've got the barricade of, like, wood and uh, and dragonglass barriers, yeah, right? Yeah, like the trench and everything. Yeah, it's like a trench, yeah. and it, yeah, it's a whole trench and designed to protect, and they've got trebuchets, yep. they've got catapults, which are two different things. So they've got trebuchets and catapults, and they've got, you know, just... Archers, and they've got everything, man. They, they use the catapults literally once. Once, literally what? once. So let's let's talk about that first. <laughs> so the first and foremost, the the biggest biggest problem that we have with the episode was the battle defenses. Like the whole battle defense plan was terrible. Yeah. Whoever planned the defense of Winterfell, you are a moron. Obviously, Jon Snow. <laughs> oh, it had to be Jon Snow. And let's just go right out and say it: Jon Snow is the worst character in all of Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's a goddamn idiot right yeah. now. He is. He is absolutely stupid, and like it's just it makes no sense to have him. Like it's I don't know. Just he's just <laughs> he was a battle hardened commander. He yeah. should be much better than this. Yeah. Is it just that we are sleeping on the fact that he has failed his way to success and that he's just like he's like an up jumped like nobody? Well like, even if even if you ignore the fact that Jon Snow is an idiot, the other battle hardened like war strategist that you have at the Battle of Winterfell, to say nothing of the fact that you've got Jamie Lannister there. Yeah. You have Brienne of Tarth. You've got you Tyrion. You have Davos. You have Tyrion. Yeah. You, you have Jorah. You have all of these people that have been through numerous wars, a bunch of which that have defended castles yeah. numerous times. They know how this shit works. Like, we're yeah. not medieval defense strategists. But, like, even we could see that the defense strategy was fucking retarded. Yeah, it was so bad. It was so bad. And so, okay, and it starts off with this amazing scene of the first thing that you see is Melisandre, who makes her return, and she walks through the darkness, and she comes up to Jorah, who's in the front lines. And so, okay, so so she comes up. Let's let's stay focused here. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> so she comes up, and she... 
she does a a fire spell and she ignites all of the arax that the awesome. that the Dothraki are holding and they're all flaming. Awesome. Now they're all wielding flaming weapons. So cool. So like, badass. One of the, the ultimate. I, I mean, the first thing that I said when I was watching the episode, it felt like a a d and D power game moment. Yeah. When you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you just find this one spell and because there's all these people in the line, it just it it, it ends up chaining and you have this incredible power game moment. Yeah. Awesome. Great. And it really sets the, the tone. But then they charge into the darkness. And you see the balls of fire, you see the trebuchets, <laughs> but like, so you see the trebuchets and the catapults yeah. fire, yeah. but you never see them land and explode. Like they would have yeah. exploded. There would have been fire. They would have been able to yeah. see. None of it happened. None of it happened. It just, they just threw it into the darkness and it's like, well, yeah. well. Well, and then the worst part of that too is like you get, there's absolutely zero, and I'm not even going to say payoff, because yeah, yeah, obviously we all want to see the Dothraki horde be badass like we've seen yeah. them be before, but like you don't even get to see them get their asses handed to them. You just see, and granted, it is a cool scene where you yeah, just see the see flames them. going out, yeah, sort of like flicker slowly out. flicker out, yeah. which is kind of cool, but at the same time also doesn't make any sense, really, because you have like the Army of the Dead, which is arguably a horde, and the Dothraki horde which they've made a point to say, like Jamie said in the last season, it's like, I've seen the Dothraki fight. Like, they enjoy it. Like, they're yeah. like they're not just good. They're unbeatable. Yeah. And so, like, it was, it was kind of cool to see them get wiped out a little bit, but it just happened instantly. Yeah. And it just didn't make any sense. And I want to go back to what you said about Jorah. Because Jorah being on the front line with the Dothraki, I absolutely loved. Because... He, that for me was a great character moment for Jorah. Oh, absolutely. Because it shows you how, like, it shows you, like, the respect that the Dothraki had for Jorah. Yeah. You know, 100%. because, of, like, it, it was one of those things where, like, you know, it first started all the way back in season two where he had that uh, single combat moment with the one guy that was challenging Daenerys at the time, you know, like, because Cal had died and he was like, I forget the guy's name. He's like, we don't want to follow. Yeah, he was the blood you know, the rider for yeah. Drogo. It was actually in the first season. Was oh, like, that was the yeah, first yeah, season after Cal died? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, then, yeah. and then, like, Jorah basically, like, yeah. stood up to him and, like, beat him in one-on-one -on -one yeah. combat. Like, yeah. that was just an amazing scene and ever since then he's just been slowly building this respect of the Dothraki who really don't respect anybody no. except for the Kyle and eventually and Daenerys Khaleesi, yeah. you know um, so that was a, that was a really cool character moment for me seeing Jorah lead the Dothraki into battle yeah but the problem was was that not only was Jorah in the front lines but there was Jaime there was Tormund there was Podrick Payne there was Brienne of Tarth they were all in the front line and you see this amazing scene where the dead come in like a fucking like it's like a tidal wave. Yeah, it really. And they is. come in, they just pour over the the unsullied, right? Like a wave. Yeah. Like a, like a literal wave. All of these people were supposed to be on the front line. All of them should have been dead. Yeah. All of them. They're like no, there's no way any of them would have survived. Didn't I tell you? I told I told you in the last episode that Winterfell has a lot. Winterfell's best defense was plot armor. Plot armor. That was the best defense that Winterfell yeah. had. It's like we were talking about before. Like you know, we everybody was predicting a lot of deaths in this episode, and I just didn't see it because you literally, like I said, with the exception of Cersei and Euron. Every single main character was in Winterfell. Yeah. You knew a couple were going to die, but they were not going to kill more than two or three, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah, and, and well, like, they, there were seven characters that died. Seven, but only only two of them arguably were main were, were characters. Were main characters, yeah. right, except for the Night King, right? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm, I'm talking so, through the, yeah, like, the, main, the main, yeah, the good yeah, guys. The good yeah, guys, yeah, the good yeah. guys. So, um, but, like, so you have this thing, and there's literally a scene 
when and then the, okay so now the the dead are, are breaking through and here comes melisandre again right because they try and very uh lord of the rings style they try and light the yeah, the, the, trench. the trench and it, they end up getting killed on the way to light the trench yep. so they can't get it lit so melisandre comes in and she uses that fire spell again to light the trench and it's literally at the last moment Another oh, just amazing scene. Like it was so cool. It was so well done. It was just like this amazing scene. And and like there's this fire trench, but then the dead stop, and then they figure out how to like they yeah. just like slowly one by one. Yeah, they just sack a bunch of them and then yeah. just dump and walk over the dead bodies, yeah, which is like you know dead bodies they're smart. The fires out. Yeah, they're smart. They know what they're doing. No. They didn't have oil. They didn't yeah. have pitch. There's no pitch. There's like like typical everyday tower defense or castle defense tactics they just didn't have yeah they didn't have pitch they didn't have oil they didn't have anything like your typical everyday defenses that you would normally have and the fact that once they stopped them with the fire trench even for just those few minutes that they had them barricaded at the trench why were there not flaming arrows raining down on them because they were effectively stopped for a period of time, that's when you start just raining fire arrows down on them. You saw the archers, the archers were all lined up on the, on top of the castle. What the fuck, guys? What was the point of having trebuchets? Yeah. Because as soon as the Dothraki charged into battle, yeah. you couldn't even use the trebuchets. Exactly. Right? Because you're going to hit your own people. Yeah. I think Who our- told the Dothraki to charge? It was so freaking stupid. It was so stupid. Arya was the only one shooting arrows. And don't get me wrong... It, there were a lot of cool moments. Like there were cool moments. Well, yeah, in let's, this so let's talk about what was good about the episode because yeah. there was a you lot know, of good in there. Yeah, and you know we got a, finally a chance to see a dragon on dragon battle. Right. Like mid air dragon on dragon battle, which was awesome. Like it was really dark. So if you didn't turn up the brightness and turn the lights off in your room while you were watching it, you probably didn't yeah, you see fucked. any of it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, but the whole thing was dark and it was supposed to be dark. It was supposed to be dark because, like, again, arguably the most important battle scenes were the one that happened inside of the castle wall. Yeah. And those were not as dark. You could see those just fine. Like that great scene with Arya sneaking her way through the library and, like, trying to survive. And then when the hound comes in and saves her and they're running down and Barrack is fighting them off. And then Barrack, well, when Barrack died, that was amazing. Yeah. That was yeah. such a great, Barrett, you saw that coming, Barrett but it was a great death. to save the day yeah. so that Arya could make her way through. A great death. Yeah. A great death. Yeah. Really great death. And then you had uh, the one death, oh, the saddest death of my the entire series for oh, me. Oh, man. Sure. Uh, Jorah Mormont. But again, he died in a way that was very satisfying. Yeah, and, because, and that he would have wanted to go. Yeah, protecting, protecting Daenerys. Yeah, protecting which, you know, Daenerys. again, he shouldn't have had to do if Danny wasn't such a goddamn idiot. Yeah. Resting her dragon on the ground, like, yeah. waiting, just looking. Like, yeah. Yeah, she dumbass. comes down yeah. to save John, and then all of a sudden... Just the, stays there! She just, just stays, stays there! there. Just, like, looking around, and the dead start crawling on the dragon, yeah. on Drogon, like fucking fleas. God. Right? Which was... Uh, it was I a actually, cool scene, yeah. And I did like the fact that they didn't let Drogon die, because as soon as he flew up and he started to shake, yeah. like, that would have been normal. Like, it would have, like... Dragon armor, like, yeah, he was getting stabbed, but, like, he, yeah. he would have been able to survive. He would have been able to survive that yeah, for sure, yeah. especially because the, the dead are, are, are brittle, yeah. you know. But, yeah, but seeing Jorah die saving Danny and, like, the way he died was just so satisfying because he just, you know, 
just took a bunch of White Walkers with him and fucking did, didn't go down. Yeah, he, he actually, he more or less, you know, he he beat, you know, he survived until the end of the battle, ended up dying from his wounds afterwards, yeah, yeah, which after, was just yeah. so satisfying. As soon as he knew that the that the queen was safe, yeah. then he collapsed, which was, I mean, that was just an amazing scene. And then, it was so good. And him with uh, Heartsbane, yes, right, oh and he's God. swinging that sword, and it's huge. You really yep, don't even realize so how big Heartsbane was, but it's like, it was like this huge sword. Yep. And, you know, and, like, okay, to a point, but they are literally, like, they're flowing in. It's, it's like a fucking tidal wave. Yeah. Like, there's no way that they would have been able to survive. And Danny, who's never swung a sword, she picks up a dragon glass sword, and she just fucking hacks away. And we're supposed to believe that yeah. they didn't survive? Well, like, the same with Sam and his two little dragon glass oh, daggers. Know, he's, like, he's literally, like, stabbing yeah. one in the butt. And he's literally <laughs> having... He's having dead pour over his body, like he's like on his back multiple times. You know? <laughs> it reminded it reminded me of like Cyril from the show Archer, where he doesn't know how to fire a gun, yeah. and he always just yells suppressing fire. He's just swinging wildly with the dragon glass daggers. It was so ridiculous. But then the other really satisfying death was uh, Liana Mormont. Yeah. That was amazing. Little Liana Mormont. Stabbing the giant. Which, when she got smacked to the side, I wish she hadn't gotten smacked because, like, she should have been dead. Yeah. A giant... She did have armor on, though. Whatever, dude. You know, <laughs> she's like a hundred pounds maximum. We're talking about like a five hundred pound giant, right? Probably more than that. It absolutely plows into her. That's like saying, "Oh, she was wearing armor, so when she got hit by that semi, she, was fucking, oh, she shouldn't be able to survive." She got hit by a semi, dude. She when she got smacked by the giant, I was like, "That's it, she's dead." Yeah. I was like, "That's hilarious. That's great. That's awesome." And then she was not dead, and it just made me so mad. And it's interesting to think about her death, though, too, because she's dead, and now that Jorah's dead, so House Mormont is gone, basically, right? Who else is there? There's nobody else. There is, right? There. Yeah, House is gone. I mean, they literally talked about it in the episode before that she was the future of the house. Oh, that's right. Why, they did mention that. Yeah, why Jorah wanted her to be in the crypts. That's right. You know. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, which again, the, the, crypt, all the, the fucking crypts, crypts. The, crypts <laughs> the dead coming alive in the crypts was awesome, but they all should, everyone <laughs> in the crypt should have been dead. Well, they, should, one. they shouldn't have been in the crypts to begin with. Like nobody. Oh, hey, here's this guy whose power is to raise the dead and turn them into his yeah. minions. You know where the safest place for the women and children are? In a pile of dead bodies. Yeah. Like, Who thought out this defense strategy? Jon Snow. <laughs> had to be Jon Snow. That's so retarded. Aegon Targaryen. Who's <laughs> supposed to believe that Rhaegar, he he named two of his sons Aegon? Like one, like one wasn't enough? Because <laughs> like, like the first Aegon hadn't died yet. Like, yeah. He named two sons Aegon? Come on. <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, man. And then let's talk about the most useless character in the entire show, Bran. Bran. Bran is absolutely... What the fuck are you here for? So he go, he is sitting there with Theon Greyjoy, and he's like, I'm going to go now. And he wargs, <laughs> he wargs into birds to do what? To do nothing. Just... General bird stuff. Yeah, to see, just, yeah, dude, to to see stuff. general bird stuff, you know. To I'm gonna, see stuff I'm gonna that fly can... around and yeah. shit on things, but not tell anybody about what I see. Not do anything <laughs> that can help out 
these people who are trying to save my life. There's this great meme where fucking it shows Bran. It shows Bran how they should have they should have just like stuck a bunch of dragon glass daggers yeah, on the on birds. The birds. Like, <laughs> it would have made more sense. You could have had an army of dive bombing birds. That would have been so much better. Like there are so many other ways that you could have. Yeah, he was literally useless. Like yeah. the only part of their strategy that made sense was having, you know, leaving Bran sort of out in the open to draw the Night King out. Like that was the only thing that made sense. And it, you know, it worked, it, but I mean, it worked. still, at what cost? The Dothraki yeah. are basically gone. Half of the Unsullied have been wiped out, you know, and it's just like, come on. This episode, episode three, was the, was, it was the jumping the shark moment, and it went from being... It really was. It was when Game of Thrones really died, and it went from Game of Thrones being an awesome, awesome show... Yeah. ...to then it became a superhero show, and I was actually talking to uh, the doctor, Dr. Dave, before I came here... And we were talking about how now, now, especially after episode four, where it's it's not only a superhero show, now it's a DC superhero <laughs> movie. It's, it's, it's not only a superhero movie, it's a DC superhero it's movie. full of plot holes. It's just terrible. But we do have to talk about, though, the one very, the, the best, probably one of the best scenes, with the exception of the death of the Night King, was Theon's death. Theon's death, and right before Theon's death, like yeah. watching him and like you see the pile of dead that were surrounding yeah. him, right? Like so, okay. So the way that I have rationalized the way this whole fight, this whole battle, is that Game of Thrones is a dungeon, dungeon and dragons campaign, okay? Yeah. And your main characters are all now, let's say, level twenty-five to thirty. Right, and all of the dead are like level one characters. Yep. So even though there's a swarm of level one characters, if you're level thirty, you should be able to take out a swarm. So that's why they survive. Okay. So like I can appreciate that, and that's that's proven or not really proven, but there's kind of like a, a hint to that when you see Theon and he's standing around all of these like dead bodies. He's got literally like you know his yeah his spear, he's taken out a yeah. ton of them yeah so he's amazing. level 20 and he takes out you know a hundred or whatever yeah. you know level one characters yeah if you're level 20 you should be able to do that. exactly and it, and it was great because like you know again i loved you know like we again we obviously correctly predicted that he was going to die defending bran but it was so satisfying especially at the beginning of episode four when you see sansa standing over his dead body and she puts it's like a it's like a pin or something with the stark wolf on it she puts it on theon's corpse okay well, and it was so, like whoa, 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 you're jumping ahead you're jumping into no, no but, but i'm gonna jump into that All just right. for one second to talk about the meaning of his death because it's like that was so meaningful yeah. even before she did that because it was like Theon, that to me was them saying that Theon died more or less the way he lived, which was as a Stark. Yeah. Like, he didn't die as Theon Greyjoy, he died as Theon Stark, yeah. which was, like, just one of the most satisfying deaths in the entire series. Yeah. Yeah, and having him there to protect Bran, you know, after having taken the castle away from Bran, and he makes the final charge because he's exhausted. Yeah. You know, and he makes the final charge at the night. And he knows what's going to happen. Yeah, and he knows he's just going to die. Yeah. And having Bran just turn to him and be like, you're a good man. That was great. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. And, you know, and he dies, and okay, it was this very satisfying death. Yeah. Very satisfying way to die. And then... 
And then, then you have Air Arya. Dude, they, they just, the absolute hero of all of Game of Thrones, and the one last thing that we can hold on to as being the best part of Game of Thrones. That's, that's why she's Arya. my favorite character. Arya is by far the best character. She's she's one of the best characters in any show ever. Yeah. And I'm, I am still excited to see what happens to her in the final two episodes. Exactly. Um, you know, but I mean, just seeing her and then she has she with the first scene when you see her, when she comes on screen and she's got that double bladed. Well, so awesome. she's just murking people left and right. And that then was, you see Davos and he's just looking at her yeah. like, oh, my God, that scene was like something chick? that scene was like something straight out of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, like that was exactly. like when Goku enters the battle and just starts fucking tossing bodies left and right. Even the way they filmed it, it was like very, yeah. very much like a superhero movie. Yeah, like all of a sudden it's just just like bam here comes the incredible hulk just murk 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 killing yeah. people left yeah. and right yeah and it was awesome yeah and she only uses the staff for like two minutes and then it breaks and then she's but got also the, two minutes and then she's <laughs> yeah. got the two she's got it is like two different weapons and then nope doesn't yeah gone also yeah yeah so, so satisfying though. yeah but it's very satisfying but then you see her and and she gets her, her head cracked on the, the door frame and she sees all these dead starting to pour in and she's able to like escape. But the dead who are fast moving zombies and they're like coming in like a fucking tidal wave, then they start to slow down and we get an, a, like a scene from Walking Dead where they're now slow moving zombies. Like, well, that they I don't, just don't really know. Like, well, no, that, that actually makes sense from other times it you've does seen. not make yes, sense. Yes, it does. No, from other times you've seen the White Walkers, if they don't have like a sort of, you know, target in their <laughs> in their line of sight, they just sort of hobble around, you know? Right. It's like, they, you know, and they didn't see Arya because she's a fucking super ninja assassin. So so I was okay with that. And they just and sort of like hobbling it, around a little bit. You can think of it sort of like an RTS. And anybody who's yeah. ever played a real-time strategy game like Command & Conquer or any of the other real-time strategy games that are out there, if, if you know, when you, you set a group to do a certain task and then you move your attention away from that group and then come back to that group, they're all off all over the place. Exactly. Right? So that's that I understand. And, like, the dead are literally controlled by the Night King. Yeah. So, like, obviously his attention was elsewhere. So, like, their, their like, direction and, and control was not there. Okay. Okay. You can rationalize it. But it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> it really make sense. Literally, it's just Arya's plot armor. So then... You know? Episode four happens. Well, Arya we kills, the, so Arya well, Arya kills the Night King. Arya yeah. kills the Night King. Has it was amazing thing. with the cat's paw dagger. Yeah, with incredible. the cat's paw yeah. dagger, which so you know, we talked about it. And yeah, okay. So then yeah. episode four happens, and to be fair, episode four starts out really good. Yeah. So they start where they have all of the bodies that all the corpses that died in the battle. They're all they're all like on on like you know these stacks or whatever. Yeah, these pyres. And you yeah, the pyres. Huge like, pyres. The pyres. Yeah. And you get like some really meaningful shots, like I said, of, of Sansa putting the Stark pin on Theon. You see Jorah's body. Um. You know you see uh, Barrack's body. Like you know and each like other main character. Like the Hound has a torch. Arya has a torch. Sansa has a torch. They go to light the pyres. It's a very cool scene. And they go right to the celebration in Winterfell, which well, was awesome. I mean, quote-unquote celebration, because it actually wasn't. It was actually very somber, right? Which is actually something that I, when it first, when I was first watching it and taking a look at it, I was like, well, it shouldn't be a somber scene. It really should be a scene where it's, it's a celebration. They should be celebrating life. And it wasn't until Danny 
names Gendry as the Lord of Storm's End, that it all of a sudden becomes a celebration. And I actually really liked the way that that turned. I love the fact I, that she named him the Lord of Storms. But even Storm's more, end. like, I like the fact that it was somber, that, you know, they even though they defeated the dead, they're exhausted, they had so many people die. Yeah. Well, they, right? they, they drank enough by that point. Yeah, so you know. <laughs> turned into a party. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, she brings up the mood, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what? Let's do something good, and let's have good come out of this. And I love right? the fact that they, and, and, like, the way she did it, too, the way she talked to Gendry, and she was like, you know, this bastard son of Robert Baratheon tried to kill me, so on and so forth. It's like, and then she's like, I'm going to make you the Lord of Storm's End. And yeah. Gendry's just like, but I, I'm no lord. I don't want to be lord. Yeah. He's like, well, uh, yeah, you are actually. Because yeah. I said so. He's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. He's like, and then okay, he gets like that giddy, like yeah. happy child, like, yeah. you know, like. And Davos, you know, cheers. Yeah, Davos. Right? Yeah, and that's when, like, them, okay, yeah. now it starts to become a party. And then Tormund comes in and he's just like a drunk, Hammered. like a drunk frat bro, oh. like hanging on top of Jon Snow with his yeah. fucking horn, trying to get Jon to chug. Chug, 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 yeah. chug, like just a fucking bro. Yeah, he it's goes, so great. Yeah, and he's like, throwing up is not a celebration. He goes, it can be. It can be. <laughs> that was such a, like, I definitely cheered at And that then moment. Brienne and Jamie and Tyrion are playing like a drinking game, like basically never have I ever. Like... Well, well, it's the drinking game that Tyrion created in the first season, right? And it was a great oh, callback. Oh, I didn't great, realize that. Yeah, so it was the same drinking game that he and Braun and. Um, uh, oh, wow. What was the, uh, well, his come on, come on, nerd boy. Yeah, I know the prostitute's name. I forget what her name is now because she died, whatever, three She's a prostitute. Ago. Who cares? No, well, but it, she was the one who, like, ran <laughs> no, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Shay. Shay. Wow, so, I can't believe you remember that. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, pulled it out of the, uh, the old brain cloud there. <laughs> so, it was, yeah, so I can hear our, our listeners just screaming at their fucking. <laughs> Shay! <laughs> yeah, it was Shay, moron. Um, no, so, yeah, so in the first season, it's Bronn and Tyrion and Shay, and they think that they're going to be coming up against Rob Stark's 18,000 men, and they're yeah. going to be in the vanguard, yep. but then they realize it was only 2,000 right, men, right. right, and they ended up surviving, but they're they're having this drinking game that night, so they they keep playing that drinking That's game, right, and there were a couple times now. throughout the show that they do that same yeah. drinking game, which I thought it was a great callback, it was a great moment, really funny, and it was, it, you know, like, really just, just really, really awesome. Right. But uh, yeah, so so a lot of good moments. Gendry goes out and he meets up with Arya. That was awesome. He goes up to her. Right. And Gendry is just so in love with Arya. Yeah. And And as soon as he goes out there, even when he kisses her, I'm like. Yo, bro, like, slow your roll. Like, yo, she, you, you guys hooked up, but, yo, this ain't, like, this ain't, like, girlfriend He's a stage status. five clinger, oh, man. He's a stage five clinger. <laughs> Gendry is a stage five clinger, man. Yeah, but yeah. The, then, then Arya, was, so, so Gendry proposes to Arya, and Arya shoots him down, and it's great. Hard. He, she's like, I'm no lady. Yeah. Like, cause I, she wants, it's he, not me. Yeah, he wants her to be the lady of Stormvent, and she's like, nah, sorry. Yeah. Not happening. That was amazing. And then... And then the episode pretty much just falls completely apart. Yeah, it really does. Like, well, not entirely because you get you get Jamie and Brienne. They finally get together, and it feels a little forced. But like, they've clearly been building to it for a while, so it doesn't feel that forced. And then you've got that really great scene after that where Jamie and and Tyrion are talking, and and, and like Jamie is. In not so many words, like talking about his like real feelings for Brienne, he says, 
I'm going to stay in Winterfell. He's like, I fucking hate the North, but I'm going to stay in Winterfell. And yeah. Tyrion goes, what's a, what's she like down there? Yeah. And Jamie's yeah. like, what? So yeah. I'm not going to tell yeah, you like, about none that. None of your business. <laughs> but it shows emotion and affection from Jamie to Brienne of Tarth. Right. But then, then he just kind of throws it all away. Wait, wait, wait. Like, Before we talk about oh. how he throws it away, Bronn... Braun. Just shows oh, up yeah. out of nowhere. How could he be in Winterfell? How did he get in? How do you know? How did he like? Like Braun is a mercenary, but he's not a fucking ninja. There's no way he snuck into Winterfell all the way that deep into the castle without being noticed. But like, whatever. I'm willing to suspend the fucking disbelief on that one because it was a really badass scene when Braun showed up with the crossbow that Jamie gave him yeah. and just like in a very well, Cersei gave I'm him. sorry Cersei gave him in, yeah. in very Braun style was like basically explained he's like Cersei gave me this to fucking kill both of you yeah. he's like but I don't 100% believe that Cersei can win the war he's like and I still want my fucking castle and like that's see, all he wants which I love you can see how like annoyed he was just to even be there like yeah. he didn't want to be there he's like alright fine he goes you always told me if somebody paid me to kill you I should always talk to you because you'll double what they pay yeah right? <laughs> and well, he goes he goes, how do you double a castle yeah, how do you double a castle <laughs> and they're like I'll give you a bigger castle yeah a bigger castle I <laughs> Which, uh, and then Jamie's face, Jamie was like, what? Yeah, he's like, wait, you can't Fucking really high garden? You're going to give him high garden? But again, like, I love and that it's scene. Just an empty promise. Yeah, no, an empty promise, but a great scene because like we haven't seen a lot of brawn this season, and that is like just th that's brawn. That's so true to his character. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible to see that scene. And then is when the episode just yeah. I mean, the whole thing goes downhill fast. Way and downhill. Just, and it's just not good. And Danny rushes. She doesn't let. She doesn't listen to Sansa. She nope. doesn't let her people rest. Doesn't think about, hey, let's have a battle strategy. They're like, no, we're going to surround the castle. And we're just going to, what, make them starve. Like, they're not going to fucking attack your fucking so ships dumb. that are there. They're not going to and proactively attack you guys. No, you can just stay there yeah. and, like, let them. And you they, think that they're going to cower? You think Cersei is going to cower and, and hide behind her high walls? And they just casually sail to Dragonstone don't even think about the fact that, yeah, literally just like twiddling their thumbs, like happily go lucky down the Dragonstone, not even suspecting that, you know, maybe in the months that they've been spending at Winterfell, maybe Cersei has built some sort of defense around Dragonstone because, you know, who's at Dragonstone? Nobody. When, when nobody. Danny left, nobody was there. So obviously Cersei is going to be there waiting for him. And oh, surprise, surprise, she was with Euron's fleet and a bunch of the fucking, what are the giant, uh, the giant arrow? The scorpions. The scorpions, yeah. And they fucking the kill, uh, they fucking kill Rhaegar. Yeah, they kill Rhaegar. Which, or Rhaegal. Rhaegal, sorry, Rhaegal. Rhaegal. So yeah, Rhaegal, which was awesome. That was a great death scene. It came out of nowhere and it was brutal. It was brutal. He yeah. gets shot through the neck yeah. and he just absolutely splashes down and dies. Awesome. And like that's it, it really shows a weakness because Danny was too reliant upon her dragons. But the fact of the matter is she fought yeah. against a scorpion. She knows that Cer Cersei has scorpions. Yeah. She knows that they have she they have these weapons. What you think that they wouldn't mass produce them? And hey, oh by the way, you have this omnipotent person, Braun or Bran, yeah. who's in Winterfell. He didn't just say, like, hey, by the way, John, you should probably watch out for this because it's yeah. like 
you know, you know, your your dragon's yeah. gonna die. Like I said, it was just so infuriating because, like, you know, like we said, we were we're willing to, you know, just let a few things go, but like literally at this point, these characters they've gone. Like it used to be a really cool thing to watch Game of Thrones characters outsmart one another. It used yep. to be a really cool thing to see how cunning characters can be and how their strategies and, and, and battle plans would play out. Yep. Now, we literally have some of the supposed smartest characters in the entire show literally just walking ass first into these traps yeah. time and time again. Yeah, and it's, it's just, just no so longer dumb. believable. Just so dumb, the whole thing. And like, so, okay, fine, you know, but it did give us an awesome moment with Euron, and it's just making Euron Yeah, making be, Euron, yeah. Euron is, he's so cool, He's man. great, he's, he's like the new so Bronn, cool. he's the new yeah, Bronn. he really is. And then, is. of course, you know, so, of course, a bunch of ships go down, they capture Masande, and, like, for all you idiots yep. out there that, that, that thought Masande was going to survive, like, obviously she wasn't. She gets beheaded in front of Grey Worm by the mountain, which was... Cool, but then also annoying because now we're going to have to suffer through a goddamn Grey Worm and Mountain Showdown while he's trying to revenge Masande. And I swear to God, if Grey Worm kills the fucking Mountain, I'm it, it, it's going to be, it's so, gonna be stupid. so stupid. It's going to be so stupid. The Mountain should rip Grey Worm in half. Yeah, like, look, I, like a fucking phone book. Just yeah, rip like, him in like half. The, like the juggernaut. Right? Literally, like, yes. Literally. Like literally rip him in half. Not to say that Grey Worm isn't a great fighter, but... You know, it would be too much for me. That fight would be too much of a rehash of the Oberon Mountain fight. Exactly. Which was an incredible fight, and it showed how, like, like the mountain, you know, pound for pound, the mountain is not that great of a fighter. Right. He's just a fucking wrecking ball yeah. and overpowers people. Yeah, like, he got his ass handed to him by Oberon. Yeah, the yeah. only reason he won was because Oberon took a minute to gloat and the mountain took advantage of right. it and overpowered him. And if we get a rehash of that fight... Even if the mountain wins, it's going to be fucking dumb. Yeah, it'll be dumb. It'll be absolutely dumb. But going back to Misande dying, right? Why didn't they just push her? They had to chop her head off? Why didn't they just push her? Because Cersei needs to make her statements. That's like what Cersei does. And the yeah. fact that, yeah, the, the fact that, another thing that irritated me was the fact that there, we're still at the point where Tyrion thinks he can reason with Cersei. Like, why do we even have dialogue between Tyrion and Cersei? Between anyone and Cersei? No. They just yeah. need to... And, and, and I guess there's, there, there, you know, there was a, a glimmer of hope in that scene because right before Masande got uh, beheaded, she said Dracarys, yeah, which Dracarys. is basically a Dracarys, which yeah. is like, burn the city yeah, down. Fire, yeah. Like, which does set up some really interesting plot points we were talking about before. Like, maybe Danny really is just going to totally lose her shit and just... Fucking torch King's Landing. But the whole delayed part with Missande and 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 killing her was so annoying because you knew she was gonna die. Yeah. Right? Well let's talk about that, because that was the biggest issue with this episode. So so overall, if this was like old Game of Thrones, yeah. The plot points that they introduced in this movie where, you know, John tells Arya and right. Sansa who he really is. Sansa tells Tyrion. Tyrion tells Varys. Varys talks about, goes on his whole thing about how he's all about the realm and not about the leader. Like, you know, all those type of things. And, like, where they yeah. where he asks Tyrion, do you think that John would be a great leader? And Tyrion sort of dodges the question but gives an answer. Those sort of plot points in old Game of Thrones would have played out over at least four episodes. Yep. So the biggest problem with this episode, and arguably the entire season, is the pacing. Yeah. Now, they sped up 
the pacing yeah. a lot in the last two seasons, but it worked. It still worked because the only thing they really sped up for the most part was like travel time between route, between kingdoms. That was the biggest thing they sped up. Mm-hmm. Now they're literally speeding up the entire plot. So we're we're rushing through the Sansa and Danny like like tension. Yep. We're rushing through another brilliant plot by Varys to do yep. something that Varys does. We're rushing through all of this. So much happened in the last episode that should have taken place over at least three episodes. And that's the biggest problem that episode had. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, and I think that, um, I, I, I think that just, just, they're, they're just rushing through it. And it just yeah. seems like Dan and Dave just wanted to finish the story. And they're just trying to rush through it yeah. and just get to the end. They're on stage just, giving their Oscars acceptance yeah. speech. And somebody hit the music button. And, like, it's like, get off the stage. Your time is up. The, the old comic, you know, Kane is about to come out on the yeah, stage and exactly. bring him around the yeah, neck exactly. and yank him off. Exactly. Like, they're just, like, they're just, like, tapped out. They just tapped out. And it's just, like, it's, it's disappointing. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. disappointed. Severely disappointed. <laughs> like, Game of Thrones has been such a good show all the way through. And now that they're on the final season, it's just so lackluster storytelling. It's just, it's, 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 it's things that are not fitting for the character. They're, they, they, the characters. It's just, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't fit with everything that they've done. So we'll you see know, what so. happens next week. But enough, enough complaining, enough bitching. Let's talk about. The fun stuff. Let's talk about the greatest movie of all time, the fastest movie to reach the, the billion dollar mark, the fastest movie to reach the two billion dollar mark, the current second highest grossing movie of all time, hopefully soon to be first. The greatest movie of all time, yeah. 100% undisputed, <laughs> unquestioned. Fuck you if you disagree with me because you're fucking wrong. Avengers Endgame. All right. Holy boner. Okay. So let's take let's 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 take a minute and take a breath here. Moving in between in between Game of Thrones and moving from Game of Thrones to um, I'm sweating. Mo- yeah, I'm moving, sweating. moving to <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Now, one of the things I don't think it was any kind of coincidence that Avengers Endgame and Episode Three of Game of Thrones were shown on the same weekend, right? Because if you look at Episode Three of Game of Thrones and the final battle of Avengers Endgame. Um, they're very, very similar. Yeah, they're very, very similar. Very epic. Two of the yeah. most epic battles. Well, but, but they're very similar in the way that they're shot. Oh, the yeah. The things that happen with, you know, there's one moment where they all, all of a sudden, like, win. you know, yeah, they just win and everybody else dies. And, you know, it's just, um, it, you know, it was very, very similar to each other. But Avengers Endgame just did way better. Yeah. It was just way better. So we have to talk about – we have to go literally start to finish on Endgame because uh-huh. there's so much to process here. So within the first – I would say I would say the first sort of act of Endgame plays out in about the first 15 minutes. So you see a scene that we all knew was going to happen, but again, in true to Marvel form, true to the Russo Brothers form, they gave you a scene that you – Knew was going to happen, but it was still emotionally impactful. And that's the very first scene where Hawkeye, Hawkeye's family gets dusted. Yeah. And it's such a great scene. You see him. He's got his little ankle monitor and on. It's, because it's really you know, cool because they just throw you they into They throw the you right it's, into it's it. It's almost like yeah. a cold open. Yeah. And it's just great. They, and they throw, throw you right into it. They didn't even do like the Marvel. Exactly. Thing. It doesn't happen until later. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. They, you just that the, the scene opens and it and it's Hawkeye. He's with his family. He's sharing this like really you know great moment like that you you know that he does with his family. He's teaching his daughter how to do archery. There's a little bit of comedy about putting mayonnaise on a hot dog. A nice Easter egg where he calls her Hawkeye. He calls her Hawkeye, right? Yeah. And then and then he turns around. And his daughter's gone, and you even see the dust, the dust floating yeah. away. And then he turns around, and then his and his his wife and his two other sons are gone. And he starts running around. There's that moment of panic, yeah. and then boom, black. Yeah. And it's like, psh, like you knew it was gonna happen, but it was so well shot that it made you like feel the feels for Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And then we get right into. Um, we're back at Avengers, uh, uh, Avengers HQ. Right. I'm, no, no, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, we're not Avengers, we're in space. We're in space first. Right, it's, space it's, for it's Tony Stark. Tony Stark and, and Nebula. And Nebula, right. And and you get that I mean, scene from the trailer, it's right. extended. And it's and it's a, a nice heart-wrenching scene, and, and Tony Stark is literally, like, sickly, and he's yep. very thin, Yep. right? And, and he obviously is malnourished for the 28 days that he's been there. 22. I thought he said 20. 22 days. Was it 22? 22 days. Uh, excuse me, yeah. 22 days or whatever. Uh-huh. Actually, whatever. Actually, uh, 22 days. Right? And then, again, have that comedic moment where he's playing paper football. Yeah, with Nebula. Nebula right? She's like, she's like, she's like I enjoy this. Uh, yes, <laughs> she's so this like, was fun. this was fun. This was fun. And then, so, and, then of, and then, of course, again, like we all knew it was going to happen. Tony Stark was saved by Captain Marvel, which was, again, a great scene. And it, it actually was very reminiscent. Um, so, that, so, so Captain Marvel basically carries the broken ship back to Earth. Yeah. And you actually get a, Captain a, Marvel comes in, saves yeah. a day. Which, and there's, I mean, there's that's, a, just, that's a good setup for the rest of the movie because it's just Deus Ex Captain Marvel. Which is perfect. She's yeah. perfect like yeah. that. Yeah, I agree. 100%. When, she's so overpowered that that's the way she should be used. When Tony Stark comes off the ship, it's actually a little bit of a callback to – this is the first of many callbacks to previous MCU movies. So when Tony comes off that ship, it's very much a callback to the first Iron Man when he comes – when he gets rescued um, from the from the terrorist and yeah. he comes off that ship at the Air Force Base. It's a very similar scene um, because Pepper is there, you know, she's there both times. And you get to see that first scene where, like, Tony and Cap reunite for the first time. And it's very quick and it's very, like, you know, it's like Tony goes – I couldn't beat him. I couldn't beat him. And Cap's like, yeah. I know, neither could I. Yeah. Like, and it was just so and you, you emotional. Just have that, you have that thing where people who are so used to winning all the time have experienced loss for the yep. first time. And it's very hard to experience. Yep. And anybody, you know, who's listening to this who knows people who are incredibly successful and incredibly talented, like I'm talking about overly, like just where everything's in life seems to come very easy for them, those losses really stick with them. Yeah. Right. And, and those are the things that really like, like it, it, they have a hard time getting over. And that's exactly what the heroes had. Well, right? and, and that plays into the next scene so well, because you get more of Tony's PTSD, which they've yeah. been dealing with for several movies right now, where he's sitting in a wheelchair, looking all sickly, hooked up to an IV. And he's basically like bitching at everybody. You know, he even calls back and says, like, who said we needed a suit of armor around yeah, the world? That's what you're going to give your I precious freedom. I wanted to put a suit of yeah. armor around the earth, but you wouldn't let me. Yeah, you, know? you don't want to. You don't want to. Uh, you don't want to endanger your precious freedoms. Like, yeah. such a great line. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, in true Marvel fashion, when it's super tense, they break the tension when Rocket says something, and Tony goes. Up until just now, I swore you were Bill the Bear. Yeah. Like, and then you laugh for a minute, and yeah. then Tony passes out from exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was such a great scene. Yeah. Such an amazing scene. And just like the way that they they did the interaction between Thor and Captain Marvel, and Thor was just pissed. 
right? And and he was just, you know, and he, he summons, you know, Stormbreaker, and it was just great. And well, you can see, and then, you know, then they fly off into space. They are and that's down where Thanos. Thor becomes the most complex character yeah. in the entire series because yeah. they track down Thanos, and you get to see Monk Thanos, which is awesome. And you find out that he's used the Infinity Stones to destroy the Infinity Stones and it almost killed them. And he's weak and he's sickly. His face yep. and his arm are all fucked up. Yep. And the Avengers just come in with Captain Marvel, all guns blazing, and no questions asked. Thor chops his arm off. Yeah, I mean, it was so fast. It happened so fast. And as soon as Thor chopped his arm off, I knew that Thor was going to kill him. Yep. I knew that he, or I'm like, that's it. Thanos is dead. That's and it was it. incredible. Yeah. And he just. Thor, you know, Thanos explains what he did, and they're all like, what are we going to do? And Thor just beheads him. Yeah. Executes him. Chops his head off. It was incredible. And, yeah. like, that was such an amazing turning point for Thor's character. He chops his head off and just walks away. Yeah. And then it's five years later. Yeah. Five years later. And then – and that was, I thought, one of the biggest things that could have been spoiled – for the movie was the fact that we were going to get that jump in time that Thanos was going to die right away. Yeah. Right? And then we go to five years later. Right. And we're, we're still seeing all of the aftermath. Cause we suspected right? that we, we didn't really know how they were going to do the story, but we speculated that there was going to be some element of into the future. Into like the future. time has going to pass. But the cool thing was, is that it seemed almost like an alternate storyline, but then they just stayed with it yeah. the whole time. Yeah, right? go right seemed, with it. It seemed almost like an alternate reality, an alternate future, and you figured that at the end they're going to be able to resolve everything and everything will go back to normal, and it just wasn't that way. Yeah. And I think that is one of the brilliant things about the movie is because – there, the the consequences still exist. Exactly, right? they're, they're still there. There's still going to be people who deal with the the fact that there were five years that went by without without anything. Yeah, without nothing. Anybody yeah. there? Yeah, and like, and you're still, you know, people people are still living. Like, you have that great scene with Cap and his little support group. And you have uh, actually one of the Russo brothers had a little cameo talking about how he went on this date, you know, it was this whole thing. And it was yeah. like, and it was just like really cool to see that. And, and then people you, were like, oh, it's the first time they ever had a gay character oh, in Marvel. Fuck first, those people. First fuck time, you know. those people. And like, no, I liked the fact that there was, a, I'm like, good, you know what? You know, and there, that's, that's a criticism that you could give about this movie because there was an awful lot of Marvel just ticking the boxes. Oh, 100%. Like there was so yeah. many little things like, okay, what do we need to do? Tick this box, tick this box, yeah. tick this box. But for those people that talk about the fact that like, oh, it's about time the MCU introduced a gay character, it's like, yeah. listen, it's like people's, like the MCU, The one of the things I've loved about the MCU is that yeah. even when they do a love story, it's never the central focus of any of their plots, which is one of the things that sets the MCU apart from a lot of other comic book or just movies in general. They yeah. don't do a lot of love stories. So the fact that they haven't really addressed any sort of LGBT issues in the movies makes perfect sense because in no way, shape, or form does any LGBT issue play into the overall story. It's just not but crucial. It was, it was good to have it there. It was a nice thing to have. It was a good way that they could place it in there. It was no, I totally agree. It was definitely unexpected when they, when they were talking about it. And it was almost like an oh wow moment, but it wasn't. It didn't like it was an oh wow moment for about two seconds. Yeah, and no, then, I. And then it was fine. And then you're just like, oh okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I cool. agree. I'm just saying yeah. for those people that are saying it's like the people that that there are people on the on the internet right now that are trying to make this argument that you know that 
gay people, whatever, didn't exist in the MCU right. before Endgame. It's like, that's not the fucking case. Like, no, obviously gay people existed. It's yeah. the world that we live in. It just wasn't crucial to the storyline to be like, hey, oh, by the way, don't forget, gay people are here. Like, it wasn't yeah. crucial to the plot. Like, so, no. shut the fuck up. Yeah. Storytelling 101. Yeah, it really was. It was, it was, it was, it was good, and, and like, having Captain America there and talking about it. Yeah, it was great. And, like, they obviously knew he was Captain America. He's, like, talking about when he, oh, I went into the Ice, you know, which was awesome, you know, and I really like that. that support group. That was a very human way of dealing with the issue, right? And then getting a chance to have that scene, you know, afterwards with Black Widow, and then you have, you know, Rocket and Nebula, and you have War Machine, and you have um, Captain Marvel. Yeah, and I really like the fact that Captain Marvel is like, um. Uh, there's a lot of other planets out there and they don't have Avengers, so I have to tend to all of them. And that's know? why I was okay with her being a plot device. 100%. A it lot makes of people, sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, a lot like, of people bitched about that, but like no. they very clearly explain why she was in the movie the way she was. Yeah. Because she knows that there's another universe out there that needs protecting, and that's her job. Yeah, there's all these other galaxies. There's an entire universe that needs protecting. It's not just yeah. Earth. Yeah. It's like not the whole... The whole universe doesn't revolve around Earth. Oh, well. Yeah, oh, well, you know? exactly. I completely agree. That was one of the things I loved about that. So those people that are complaining about Captain Marvel being a plot device, yeah. open your fucking eyes and watch the fucking movie. And she was they also one of the coolest it. characters in the entire movie. Like, and like, Yeah, I mean, she was awesome. Like, yeah. Everything about her was awesome. Everything about her was strong. Everything about her was like... Amazing. The, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, Hulk Hogan in the early 80s and the late 70s. When, he was, <laughs> when Hulk Hogan was going to... What a comparison. Yeah. Well, because Hulk Hogan, one of the reasons why he was so... He, he got over the way he was is because he was so much bigger than everybody else. And he literally never went off his feet. Yeah. Right? That was his one thing is that he never wanted to go off his feet in a match. He never wanted to seem like he was ever in trouble. Yeah. He was just this overwhelming force. Right. And that's why it was believable when he came back to WWE and he just instantly won the world title. It was believable. Right. So same thing with Captain Marvel. Like she never goes off her feet. She's never in trouble. She never feels yeah. danger. Right. Because she's so super powerful. Exactly. Right. And I like that. Yeah. You need they, to have those characters. And they, but, and that was something that we talked about when we did the review of Captain Marvel was that that was something that we were like, well, she never really felt like she was in danger. But like, that's the thing is that she really shouldn't ever feel like yeah. she's in danger because she's literally like the most powerful person. Exactly. Like unless she's fighting somebody like Thanos, she really shouldn't be in danger no, no. because she's going to overpower any of them. No. That's like – that's her gig. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah, the whole thing was it was great. amazing. Yeah. And then so then you get the then you get Scott Lang comes back. Yeah, Scott Lang comes back, you know, and uh, it was great, you know, kind of again Deus Ex Machina to bring him back. The rat, yeah, know, runs over, over the machine, it. right? Yeah, whatever. And you get to see Cassie, his daughter, yeah. um, older, which was cool because yeah, then now cool. everyone's speculating, or oh, are we going to get to see Stature? Yes, you know, when she turns which right, which do. would be amazing. I know, I know that there have been some rumors. Yeah, that they are, they are going to do a Young Avengers storyline, yeah, which, which would be, be cool. absolutely incredible. Yeah. And then you get <laughs> – so then they start to bring in the idea of, you know, is there a way to do time travel time travel go back, yeah, right? you're talking about a time machine. Yeah. No, not a time machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a time yeah, machine. Yeah, time yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, of course, they first go back and talk to Tony Stark. And this is when you get to see Tony Stark is now married to Pepper and he has a daughter. And he has a, a daughter. Which is awesome. awesome. Like, Just so awesome. Five years have passed. Awesome. Life has gone yeah. on. Yeah. And Tony Stark, of course, you know, true to character, he's like, no. He's like, I fought my fight. I've got everything that I need. But then again, you know, very true to his character, he, he can't help himself. And Pepper knows this, which is one of the things I love about Pepper's character where she's like, she's like, would you really be able to rest? Massive foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Would you really be able to rest? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I wouldn't. You know, yeah. and yeah, he does yeah, it. He, he, he figures it out, yeah. and, he, and he goes to tell him about it. Yeah. But then, so again, again, more Deus Ex Machina. He figures out time travel right. in literally two seconds. Yeah. Like, like he always. Oh has. yeah, just do this. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, I figured it out. Time travel. I figured it out. I figured out time travel. Like, come on. Well, actually, and, no. So. <clears throat> so if you actually, excuse me, if you pay attention to the line he actually says, he says, run another model Friday, this time doing this, 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 and then this. we're going to go to bed. You right. Know, he's like, I'm, we're going to call it a night. But, so you can easily, you can easily interpret that as Tony Stark and the way his character is. He likes to, you know, like, you know, play with things, even though if he doesn't really need to, you can easily argue that Tony Stark has probably been you know, messing around with the concept of time travel for years, yeah. even before, like, you know, Age of Ultron. And then now that somebody kind of jogged, that is a need for it. He's like, well, let me let me take one more crack at yeah. it. Let oh, me just do it put, this put way. It in the form of a Mobius strip. Exactly. exactly. Let me just, like, try it this way, you know? And it works. So, like, yeah. that's the kind of, like, storytelling I'm willing to accept. Because, again, it's one of the benefits of having an interconnected universe that spans 22 or whatever movies it is. Like, that's one of those benefits where it's okay to be like, you know, Okay, I'm I'm okay that he he figured this out and he built the device or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and so and then so Tony Stark says no, I'm not going to do it, and then they're like, okay, we need a really big brain, and they introduce, in my opinion, <laughs> one of the best, most anticipated characters in all of of, Mar- <laughs> of the MCU, and that is Professor Hulk. So good. The balance, and like, yeah, like, I wish we would have gotten a Mr. Fix-It and Savage Hulk, and then they could have fought and made the Professor, alright, whatever. So not very, very different from the way they do it in the comics, but I really enjoyed it, just getting a chance to see Professor Hulk, and just, the, he was so funny, and he was arguably one of the two, like, Best yeah, characters great. in the entire movie. And when he when he when he tries to do time travel for the first time, and Scott Lang goes through, you know, he becomes a kid, then he's an, then yeah, he's a baby, then he's an old man, yeah. and then he comes back regular, and Hulk just goes time travel. Time travel. Like, <laughs> he doesn't want to do it like yeah. the whole time. He's like, this is a bad idea. He's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is so stupid. Like, why are we even doing? This? And then he goes, I see this as an absolute win. Yeah, uh, I see this as an absolute <laughs> win. This is great. <laughs> Yeah. It was amazing. Oh. Yeah, and that's the other thing is where normally you see Hulk very angry, very savage. Yeah. You see just kind of the opposite with Professor Hulk where he's actually very happy and very positive the whole time. And it's a perfect – again, a perfect way to close out his character because you know a lot of people were like bitching about the fact that he didn't really turn into the Hulk at, in Infinity War after he got his ass beat. It's like, well, what's happening? It's like – but if you, if you actually like take a moment – to follow the progression of his character through all the times he's appeared, the most logical conclusion was exactly how he explained it. He's like, I've been treating the Hulk as a disease all this time. He's like, but then I thought, what if he wasn't a disease? What right. if I like flipped the script? And like, and that's how you got Professor Hulk. And it makes perfect sense. It's a yeah. perfect way to build his character up. Yeah. Like it was yeah. so smart. And it was great. It, and it was just so fun to see Professor Hulk. 
Um, I wish he would have used a gigantic gun, but he didn't. But that's okay. <laughs> that's, just, that's just fanboy. That's just a fanboy in me. So um, then, so then you get Tony Stark shows up, brings Cap his shield. You've got another really great. Are we really going to go scene by scene through this three-hour movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. For the, for the most part. For the I mean, most part. Yeah. Okay. We'll skip. We'll skip to the time travel part. So they yeah. figure out. So they figure out. Okay, we've got to get the. Not only yeah. do we have to get the gems, but then we have to put the gems back where they belong. Right, because the ancient one explains that, which right. is, this is where we learn. For all you people that don't understand this, it's not time travel; it's alternate realities. It is alternate realities. Because the most important thing to remember is that even after they they get the glove back on, they get the Infinity Gauntlet and do the snap and bring everybody back to life, they're not reversing time. Everything that happened over the last five years has continued that that happened right people are just back now right like that's the big well and that was like the big thing that tony was trying to say was like he was like yeah make sure you just bring back everyone who left and don't change anything that's happened in the last exactly and seeing hulk use the infinity gauntlet was so badass and then hawkeye's phone rings and it's his wife yeah and it's like this really happy moment and then Thanos. Okay, so now let's talk about this, right? Because very similar to the Game of Thrones episode, right? Where you're like, okay, that person should have died. There's a wave of dead coming at them, right? Scott Lang is literally sitting right at the wall, and there is a fucking missile that hits literally right in front of him, and he's fine. Like, he, totally he, fine. He turned into Ant-Man. No, that's, that's, that's so second. stupid. No, totally he fine. should have been dead. Totally fine. It didn't make any sense totally whatsoever. Fine. He definitely should have been dead. Totally fine. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. It was not, it was dumb. Totally I fine. I did not like that. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Nitpicky, mit, mit, yeah. Mit, nitpickerson. Yeah, I will. All right. <laughs> so let's, let's, before we, we, we get right there, let's talk about the other best character in the movie, and that is Lebowski Thor. Lebowski uh-huh. Thor is just amazing, <laughs> and he's hanging out with his good buddy Korg. The fact he's, that me and Korg are there is just amazing. He's cool. Yes, yes, he's cool. Yep, yep. New, new yep. master, new master sixty nine is back. Thor, Thor, he's back. He's back. He's back. He's back. Thor, and he's all fat. Thor. And can we and talk he's about these? So fat, and he's like. Can we talk like, about these idiots that are talking about fat shaming with Thor, like? It's not fat shaming. No, he's just, just listen. If you if you sit around and drink beer and eat pizza all day, you're gonna get fat too. It's not fat shaming. It's just the biological certainty. Like in, in fact, <laughs> even more to the fact, I think that it shows that even if you're a god, if you sit around drinking beer and eating yeah. pizza all day, you're going yeah. to get fat. Well, fucking Volstag <laughs> was fat as fuck because yeah. that's all he did. And he was awesome. And he was still a badass. Yeah, like. He's and not Thor any, was awesome in yeah. this movie. He was amazing. He was amazing. He's not any less powerful. But again, yeah. the Lebowski Thor, not only so like, yeah, there was a comic relief element to it, but it made his character so much more complex because that was his version of PTSD. Yeah. He thought that he had yeah. failed the universe. Yeah. And he was sort of like wallowing in his self-pity and drinking and eating his sorrows away. Yeah. Made perfect sense. Yeah. And it was really cool. All the little throwbacks. They go back in time. They have to get the different Infinity Gems. The elevator scene. Yeah, the elevator scene. And and Captain America, which is a great, you know, uh, nod back to the comic books where he leans over and he goes, Hail Hydra. So good. Right? You know, that a lot of fanboys were up in arms when Captain America did that. Just, I guess it was last year. Yeah, last year. The Secret Empire business. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you know, Hail Hydra. And then when when Tony goes, oh, those guys are Hydra. But we didn't know that yet. And Ant-Man's like... Well, how could you not know? They look like those bad guys. guys. Like those guys, they look like bad guys. How could you not know? 
<laughs> yeah, but it was great. It was a great to go back through all of the movies that were meaningful that led you to where we are now. Exactly. Right? It was really great. Really, really cool elements. And then you get that really awesome fight scene at the end after Thanos shows up and you've got sort of like the three, like, you know, Marvel's version of the Holy Trinity. It's Iron Man and Captain Marvel and Thor stand up to Thanos and they have a great fight scene and Captain America fucking wheels Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Mjolnir, whatever. Yeah. And it's just badass. And to see Thor go, I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! Right? And then, of course, you get, you know... you know, when he's trying to pick up the hammer Amazing. And then Thanos overpowers them, and then you think, like, you know, all hope is lost. What's gonna happen? Because Thanos' whole army shows up, and then you get arguably the greatest scene in any movie ever. Yeah. When you hear on the earpiece, Falcon... And he goes, on your your left. left. And then all the portals start opening. T'Challa walks out with uh, uh, with Shuri and Okoye. And then Falcon flies out. And Spider-Man comes in. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was really just... And you finally get Avengers Assembled. In the words of Kevin Kevin Smith, real wank stuff, man. Just real wank stuff for fans. It, the whole theater erupted, man. It was such a great moment to be there in the theater with other fans, like, seeing it. The whole theater just popped. Everybody started clapping when everybody showed up. And then, yeah, like you said, Cap says, Avengers assemble. and Which we've been waiting for because they have not used that line. It's been cut off a couple of times, yep. right? And we haven't heard him actually say it on screen. And then he finally says it. And it's just an awesome, feel-good moment. Yep. And it's just absolutely incredible and, and just, like everyone's there and you're like okay let's go let's like, go yeah, yeah let's go and you're like here's the battle and they just get after and it and everything yeah. you want to see everybody gets their moment falcon yeah. falcon stabs the black dwarf or, i'm sorry uh, falcon stabs the one guy ant man or giant man steps on the black dwarf okay yeah. literally murders uh chorus glaive with her yeah. with her spear yeah. like nobody's business yeah just instant. it was almost like a throwaway scene yeah just instant kill boom, just instant kill done dead. And, yeah. and speaking of instant kill, Spider Man with his awesome. insta- activate instant kill, awesome. and the, the spider legs are just going and trying to kill all of the fucking things around him. Again, very much like Game of Thrones. It yeah. was like that same feel to it because it was like an overwhelming swarm yeah. of like bad guys. And then you have these other people now that are complaining about, oh, that's out of character for Spider Man. It's like, while it might be out of character, that you should look at as a character defining moment for Spider Man because yeah. he's no longer a kid. He's become an adult. He knows that the fate of the universe is on the line. He's holding the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, it wasn't literally. like he was just protecting himself. He yeah. was protecting the Infinity Gauntlet. He yeah. knew that it was do or die. Yeah. So might as well fucking take some of these bastards with me. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about something I didn't like was the fact that Iron Man could just create an Infinity Gauntlet. Like, like it was made in the heart of a dying star in the first movie. And it was like the greatest weaponsmith in the entire universe could create. He was the one who had to create the Infinity Gauntlet, okay? So, like, the fact that Iron Man could just throw... Well, a box of scraps! You know? <laughs> Iron Man just... Oh, in a cave with a box of scraps! You know, he just creates an Infinity Gauntlet and it just works... No, you know, all right. See, it's not necessarily... See, I was okay with that because it's not so... Because the whole purpose of the Infinity Gauntlet is just to, like, basically prevent the... So, actually, you know, he does, but he doesn't. Because the real purpose of the Infinity Gauntlet is to basically prevent the user of the of all six Infinity Stones from killing themselves when they use it. Right. So that's the only reason Thanos survived, 
when he had the when he used the stones at the beginning of the movie, but it's also the same reason why Tony Stark died while using the Infinity Gauntlet and why Hulk got severely injured. Yeah. Like, you know, because yeah. Hulk and Thanos are are kind of equal in power. So like, yes, he created it and it and it worked, but it also killed them. Like, you know, so did it really work? You know, so it's like Yeah. It, it's really yeah. just a, a, a tool to protect the user and it really didn't do that good of a job because Tony Stark killed himself with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, later on, Tony Stark. But obviously, because he's just a regular human. Exactly. Right? Like, he should have killed himself if he used the Infinity Gauntlet, right? I, lo I love when he puts it together, and then they're like, okay, we did it. And Rocket just goes, ah! Yeah. <laughs> this scares him. Yeah. Like, you fucking kidding me? So Are you just, fucking kidding me? Yeah, just a really great moment. <laughs> oh, you want to go to space, little human? Oh, oh you're so cute. Oh, you're so, yeah, you want to go to space? You want to go to space? <laughs> Rocket again, like there is like Rocket, Hulk, Thor, and, and yeah. Captain Marvel. I think were like the best characters. Of course, in this yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, obviously, you have your Iron Man, and and it's his send off, and Captain America's send off, and the moment that Iron Man has when he sees his father and he gets to reconnect with him. Yeah, and Cap like, sees really Peggy, great. and yeah. it's like amazing. Yeah, really, just really cool moments, and. Um, but, uh, you know, I, the real winners, the real fucking shining stars were, were definitely Hulk, Thor, and, and Rocket. And 100%. Captain 100%. Yeah. They, Those were definitely the four best in the movie. And even, I would say even Nebula. Like, Nebula was great in the movie. Like, she, I was really kind of surprised how much they elevated her character. Because she was sort of just like a secondary character in the first Guardians movie. Yeah, best, and then, even the second Guardians movie. Yeah, like, kind of secondary. You know, and then she yeah. became, like... Really important, really yeah, fast. I, mean, I love. Yeah, she's like literally in the in the the forefront. Yeah, you know, it was amazing. Yeah, absolutely and incredible. She was, she was the key to to a lot. Both the both for Thanos coming to the the future. Yep. Right, as well as which. Why did that make sense? What do you mean? Why would Thanos have been able to go into that future? Because because Nebula programmed it on the machine. Right, but, like, wouldn't it be an alternate future that he would have gone into? Like, his own different future? I guess... You know, no, not if now. you're not if you're if you're if you if you Thinking have that about the alternate. See, this is the fucking problem with time travel. You can't have there's so many fucking bottles <laughs> with time travel because like what we're talking about, right? Where it creates an alternate reality, right? Where Thanos should have gone into a future that would have been an alternate future of him going there, right? Because now if that Thanos from the past went into the future and then died in the future. That past is now an alternate timeline because then Thanos never did the snap in the first place. Right. But not the way it worked here. But because it should be because that's the way they nope. set it up. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> because you remember, you gotta remember, they have those they have those time travel devices. So because they had that giant like platform that they all stood on that was like the anchor so like that's why you had you know so when tony and cap were able to travel to different points because they had their devices like you know if they never got any more pin particles they would have been stuck in the past they were still anchored to that timeline because that's where they came from as long as you had that anchor that's how nebula is able to pinpoint where like to bring him through in that timeline yeah no, that's why they showed no, him giving him not, the pin particles yeah i'm not buying it yep it makes sense <laughs> Makes right, sense. and then um, and uh, not Proxima Midnight. Who's the the telekinesis one? Um, the uh, oh, from 
the Black Order? Yeah. Oh, uh, that was uh, Ebony Maw. Yeah, Ebony Maw. Yeah. So Ebony Maw obviously is super intelligent. Right, yeah. And so he can recreate the pin particles. Okay, fine. He can synthesize pin particles because yeah. he's super duper intelligent. And he's one of the most brilliant minds in the universe. Okay, great. Okay, fine. I, like, I can understand no, he that. No, Nebula gives him the pin particles. Right, right, but he needs to make more of it to be able to oh, get yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, else exactly. through as well. Exactly. Right? So, like, okay, fine. So he replicates it and makes it. But the problem is, is that if they all went into that dimension or that future, that present wouldn't have Thanos anymore. So Thanos would have never gotten the Infinity Gauntlet in the first place. Right, so so the present so that they... an alternate timeline already. Right, yeah, so that so where Thanos came from, that timeline has now... Well, actually, that's not necessarily true, because if you... It, it all depends on how you interpret the, the Ancient One's explanation of it. The way the Ancient One explains it, if you take her explanation, like, literally at face value... It's less about what happens, and it all focuses on the Infinity Stones. She she explains it in a way that says that the realities are all connected by the Infinity Stones, which is why it's so important to place the Infinity Stones back, which is why when Cap met himself, you know, it didn't impact anything that already happened. When right. Nebula have, shot her past self. Right. It didn't have that time cop moment exactly. where they like absorb into each other. So if you take the way the Ancient One explains the alternate realities at face value, even when stuff like that happens, it really shouldn't impact anything that much because as long long as the infinity stones remain in their appropriate timelines those timelines remain intact so what did create an alternate timeline 100% without question based on that logic is when loki picks up the tesseract and vanishes that infinity stone is now gone from that moment in time right. so right. that created an alternate timeline 100 percent mm. but because thanos mm. didn't bring any infinity stones back with him when he came or when he, forward with him you should say when he goes into the future in theory you don't really know but in theory that timeline sort of remains the same but even if it didn't it wouldn't have any bearing on the story yeah i mean i just i don't know i i, I think that was a severe plot hole and like i don't think so i mean or, or like at least it would create this alternate reality yeah where, exactly like, the snap never happened in the first place but the alternate maybe reality does, maybe we go back and we see a time when the snap never happened. But that's the beauty of a multiverse is that, you know, in that alternate reality, the snap never happens. Fine. But we're in the canon. We're in the 616 universe where the snap still did happen. Right. You know, and, so. And, and it could actually leave it open because if that is the case, then Tony Stark never died in that reality. So in the future, when they need Tony Stark, they yeah. can time travel, go into that reality and get an older Tony Stark, and it's a great yeah, way to then bring... then you get old man Tony yeah, Stark. And then yeah, and it's a great exactly. way to bring Tony Stark back into the MCU I just five years from now, ten years from now. What I would love to see is if they really go... Because we talked about doing Secret Invasion, which I think would still be pretty badass, but after seeing the Spider-Man trailer, if they really go pot-committed on this multiverse thing, I would love them to, see, to, to do a story of... Uh, the 2015 Secret Wars storyline. Because not only would that yeah. be badass, it would be a really simple way and a really non-plot-hold-filled way to bring the Fantastic Four and the X-Men into the Marvel Universe, so, have them come from alternate realities. So I've also heard some theories that when Tony Stark did the snap at the end of the movie... That's when he created um, a multiverse. Mutants. Well, mutants. Oh, mutants. Mutants. 
Could be possible. Yeah, yeah. Could be because possible. again, it's a you know, or, or or it could have been when Hulk did it. Right. You know, because you have two people or, that are not. Or you just go full on with the multiverse, and you just go into a different multiverse, and you bring in mutants. Right. Again, I'm really hoping that at the end of Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix kills everyone, and eventually Dark Phoenix comes into the MCU. You bring in um, Sansa Stark, uh, whatever her name is, and you, you, and you bring her into, bring Jean Grey into the MCU as Dark Phoenix, and you have an entire Avengers movie where it's the Avengers versus Dark Phoenix. I want to see... That's like, that's like a made, that's like, that's like a ready-made, like, great storyline that would just be awesome. I want to see when the Endgame DVD comes out, the extended battle scene, I want to see it recut where one of the portals that opens up, right... Deadpool jumps out and he just goes, "What? Too soon? Wait, am I too soon? Okay, I'll come back later." Uh, and he jumps later. back to the portal. Yeah, <laughs> like, awesome. Am I in the wrong universe? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that they could have done with with having X Men characters and stuff like that, but obviously too soon to when the deal right. got done. Exactly. So they couldn't have filmed it. So. And this movie was all about the original Avengers, like giving them their send off, and they did it. Perfectly. Everyone yeah. got a proper send off. Yeah, I really like the way that they killed um, the way that they killed Black Widow. Oh, that was heart wrenching. Yeah, I mean it was really cool, and the way that they kill um, Tony Stark is great. Even Nebula when yeah. she dies. And Tony right. Stark's funeral is amazing. Tony Stark's funeral at the end is incredible, you know, and it's it's just a really good, some really good moments. And it was very comic booky, right? Yeah. Like, like comic books are notorious for ending their stories terribly. <laughs> like, like they have these great stories, and then they just end them terribly. And this one did it really well. And it, like, it did it did a good job. I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to call this the greatest movie of all time, but it's definitely. In in I would definitely say top five sequels of all yeah, time. It's the greatest comic book movie. Yeah, of and all it's time. it's the best ensemble movie. I mean, you're talking about ten years, eleven years yeah. of storytelling all in one movie, and we have come here from eleven years of storytelling, and it's awesome. Like it really is. Yeah, well, Bravo, done. Russo brothers, and everybody involved. Yeah. Way to close very, it out very and not fuck it up. movie. Like, regardless of all the plot holes and the time travel ridiculousness. And, I mean, and they kind of, like, make fun so of themselves. The universe! For My question is, and this was brought up uh, while we were at KevCon, uh, while we were on the line, it was brought up, how did they get the ether back into Jane Foster? <laughs> so, obviously, they suck it out of her butt. Do they shove it back up her butt? And I'm, like, and I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> do, they have to, do they have to then put it back in there? Jane Foster is really into that butt stuff. Yeah, Jane Foster loves the butt um, stuff. I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told the guy online. It doesn't matter because if you're going by what the ancient, how the ancient one explains the Infinity Stone theory, it doesn't matter like whose asshole the Infinity Stone is in, as long as the Infinity Stone is in the timeline at the place that it's supposed to be. The timeline remains intact. I'm not buying so it. So Cap, all Cap needed to do was show up at Asgard and just like he could have just left it on the counter and it yeah. would have been fine. Just leave it on the counter. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't need to put it back in the jail. Yeah. Just could have left it on the counter. Yeah. Would have been just fine. Yeah. As long yeah, as they're in yeah, those yeah. timelines, yeah. that timeline remains intact. Uh, the, yeah. All right. But again, but again, like I said, even if Cap decided not to replace any of the Infinity Stones in their original timelines. That still wouldn't have changed anything that impact that happened in their timeline. Right. It would have. It could have created alternate timelines. Right. But for the purpose of our story, who gives a shit? Right. Our timeline remains intact right. because everything that has already happened happens. And now it gives us unlimited Deus Ex Machina because you'd be like, oh, it's just an alternate 
timeline. It's oh, the best. Yeah, multiverse is the greatest. Oh, we gotta bring in Captain America. Okay, later on, you know, four movies five years from now, right? You're multiverse gonna, theory yeah, is the greatest. You know, maybe you're like, okay, you know what we really need to like revive the series is let's bring back an old character. Okay, let's yeah. bring back Captain America. Exactly. Right? I love and then that. you have an old man Cap who comes back, and they right? leave it open for that, which is yeah. great. I it love that. Great. It really is great. It really is great. And it, 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 I really think that eventually we'll get a movie where they bring back. Uh, old man Tony Stark and probably old man Captain America. I would not be the least bit surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. So, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, Avengers Endgame, if you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing? Go and see it. I don't know why you don't love Avengers. It's amazing. It's been a great ride. It's really, it was, it was a great ending, really great cap to, uh, to the, 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 the series of movies that they've done. And I can't wait to see where they go from here. Yeah, I'm very excited about you it. Um, and uh, I'm just going to go out and say it. it's probably going to win the third weekend in a row also. I mean, I can't imagine I don't that it see, won't. Yeah, I don't I see it slowing imagine. down. Like, like, I've heard very good things about Detective Pikachu. but Yeah, I mean, Detective Pikachu is going to make a ton of money this weekend because yeah, it's, it's getting really good reviews and it looks fucking great. Yeah, But I think great. Avengers is still going to win this weekend. Yeah, I, I do. Sorry, too. Pikachu. Yeah. We'll still go see your movie. I'm yeah. going to. It looks yeah. great. I, I definitely want to see it. I'm going to go yeah. see it. I'll definitely see it. You know, get a little $7 SmackDown if we can. Yeah. But, yeah. But, um, yeah, go see Avengers and uh, let us know what you guys think about Game of Thrones because this I'm really interested about. I want to know what everyone out there is thinking of Game of Thrones right now. Do you like the last two episodes? Were they what you thought they were going to be? I, I I feel like we've been theorizing and, and just, like, idea crunching for so long that the last two episodes just – did not live up to what I expected or the hype. And I was really let down. Um, and, you know, even though there were some cool moments and, and, you know, call a spade a spade. When I was first watching the long night, the battle at Winterfell, I was legitimately terrified. Like it was a very terrifying episode and it was really scary moments, but I want to know what you guys think. Leave us a comment. Definitely let us know. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, we are at, ready underscore set underscore review um yeah and um and uh as always stay tuned true reviewers <laughs>